They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? I'm not crazy. This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation. Dude, I just fucking did it again and I'm going to keep going. Nation, I keep clapping because I'm a fucking idiot and I like you can't hear that in the background. Welcome in uh, to a special roundtable edition of Hysteria 51. Uh, it's Black History Month and we wanted to tackle one of the most important actual abduction cases because of the crap or the awesomeness that is dumped into pop culture and everything about it. And that is the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. Uh, that we've talked about before on the show. We re-released the two episodes this week that we'd done on it. Way back, episodes 18 and 19. This is episode 275. And then with bonuses, I'm well over 300. So it was a hot minute ago. Mm. But since this is a roundtable, not just a normal episode, I'm not alone. I have blasting into the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, a one Mr. Rob Christofferson of Our Strange Skies and David Action Flora of Blurry Photos. Gentlemen, welcome. What's up? Yo. Did you guys <laughs> did you guys clap your hands as you're saying that? Like, uh, like a nervous tick? <laughs> I'm not quite as excited. Hey, everybody, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I like... I feel like I'm like in like trying to uh you know make a point. I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Don't even know. Man, I gotta ask you guys, when you think of the Betty and Barney Hill case and what what comes to mind? Like is there what's like your first thing you think of? You think, oh, I think of this. Uh, the first thing that I that I honestly think about is one how they were just completely doxxed during this entire process and how they were champs and said, no, that, that son of a bitch, John Luttrell of the Boston Traveler, we're not going to let him get away with it. So what did they do? They went to John G. Fuller and said, listen, we want to tell our story and, you know, we want you to write it. We want you to put it out. Um, yeah. So I think. Yeah, yeah, they got I think ahead of it, so to speak. They they they, they owned yeah. it instead of just letting instead of Pam and Tommy Lee just letting someone else release the video. Yes, <laughs> Betty and Barney <laughs> uh, released it themselves, so to speak. Yeah, and and this is the time period when abductions are starting to become visible. In the UFO community, primarily, and then, you know, when this case goes public in 65, there is national attention to it, but after that, like, abductions kind of fade into the background until uh, about the late 80s, but, uh, you know, this case is so significant for so many reasons, uh, but, yeah, the main thing that I think about is the bravery that they had to come forward and right. talk about their story after being doxxed, basically. Believe them or not, and that's we'll get into that, um, they went through a lot, 
and you can listen to even like when they did their hypnosis regression, which is a whole nother thing we'll talk about. It's just terrifying to listen to what they went through. And if they are making up the, that part of it, well done, you know, as far as, as what they say they went through, it is, it's kind of hard to listen to, but real quick, let's get a little recap in case anyone hasn't listened to the uh, hours that I, I gave for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for homework this week. Barney and Betty Hill were an American couple who were allegedly abducted by extraterrestrials in the rural portion of New Hampshire uh, between the nights of September 19th through the early morning hours of September 20th of 1961. Uh, The incident came to be called the Hill Abduction or the Zeta Reticuli incident, uh, and we'll, we'll, you'll understand why later, because the couple stated they had been kidnapped for a short time by a... uh, what they called at the time UFO, we don't call them that anymore for reasons, <laughs> by, by a UAP. <laughs> it was the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction. Uh, it was adapted into the best-selling 1966 book, The Intrepid Journey, and the 1975 television movie, The UFO Incident, starring none other than Mr. CNN himself, because I think that's the thing he's most remembered for. James Earl Jones. <laughs> Come on, don't don't sell Estelle Parsons short. She did an amazing job in that movie, even if that accent was annoying as hell. <laughs> um, it is an interesting. It's hard to find, other than like on YouTube, poor grainy copies of it. So if anyone's got a good copy, I'm in the market. Hit me up for a, a good solid copy, even if it's you know just a. Uh, a copied one, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in it, but, uh, they were a mixed race couple in 1961 that was unheard of at the time. And they were very much into, um, civil rights movements in WACP and things like that. And then the aliens came a knocking, so to speak. Um, and do you think that their interracial that part of it was why the story spread so fast or do you think it didn't really pay into it? That might be a weighted question, but I I, I don't know. I I don't think I do. I I mean, it's this, this is such an like old school case, which was very new school at the time. I, I think the not, um, the novelness of the, uh, encounter was probably what, helped it right yeah yeah and it really was kind of a new thing quick and dirty details uh they see a ufo follow their cars are driving from niagara falls to their home in uh, portsmouth new hampshire barney stops car pulls out some binoculars and he says he sees some you inside a ufo a pancake shaped craft he sees some some guys milling about inside there. Uh, he's got his trusty gun out because they're in bear country, as you do. Uh, <laughs> and in a panic, he drives away from the UFO. They hear a beeping. Uh, and then they come to, they hear a beeping sound again. They're about 35 miles down the road uh, south of the siding. And uh, they had no recollection of what had happened between those two sets of time. So we're talking about w- lost time there. They get home about 5 a.m. in the morning of September 20th. 1961 again uh they experienced continued anxiety and ill-defined fears that made them seek answers those ill-defined fears were interesting when you dive into the case 
stuff like they wanted to keep their bags by the door. They didn't want to do this and that. Like they didn't understand why they were wanting to do things, but they just felt like kind of like the terror almost, you know, that they couldn't uh, put the finger on because they felt like they had walls put up. They couldn't really remember what had happened. That's when Betty starts having dreams that included details she couldn't remember. And then they thought, of course, uh, through the course of events, we'll get into this. The Hills decided to undergo hypnosis and those hypnosis, the hypnosis sessions, uh, were where the remaining details, uh, of their encounter came out. Interestingly enough, the interviewer who did the hypnosis that pulled all these UFO details was then like, yeah, I don't believe it was UFO. But maybe that was a good thing, even though you can have your opinion on hypnosis, that he didn't uh, buy hook, line, and sinker into that aspect of it and just let them tell their tale. Yep. Why are we still talking about this 60 years later? It was ju- Last September was 60 years. Why, Rob, do you think that this is the case that still is getting uh, looked into? Uh, I think because they are very credible in the way that they tell their story at the time that it came out, it was unique. There weren't a lot of abduction cases. And in fact, the only other abduction case that had been in print anywhere, there were actually two. There was one really obscure case from British Columbia that was printed in 1957. It gained zero traction. The The witness was anonymous and uh, his abduction took place in uh, Austria in 1951. It's a very obscure case, but it was printed. It didn't gain a lot of traction. The other case was the Antonio V.S. Boas case. And uh, I think a lot of the reason that it didn't gain traction is because it was printed primarily in ufo um magazines like uh flying saucer reviews right. where or the pamphlets really, that they gave out yeah you know yeah <laughs> yeah <Those> exactly <laughs> exactly but <laughs> i i, I think <laughs> but i think a lot of it comes down to how credible they sound when telling their story the kind of physical evidence that is uh presented in it and uh just that for the time period also you're starting to see the press start to change. They're not as uh, as negative on UFO accounts at this point. There was kind of this turning point in late 1964, 1965, in which the press was starting to get the idea that maybe the government's covering up some of this in, in terms of like... <laughs> How they were our government in- stop. Yes, yes, our government. They shut your mouth. <laughs> no, seriously, down- they told me that you got to shut your mouth now. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, uh, I don't respond to that kind of intimidation. So, I mean, if they want to dig up my old photos where I, um, you know, dressed up as Bon Jovi, then they can do that. They could totally do that. But yeah, as that, as that you know, kind of attitude in the press changes to, hey, I don't think they're doing this great a job investigating cases. It just kind of seems like they're dismissing things. I think that also helped played into it. And I also think that the Lonnie Zamora incident the year before, because mm-hmm. it had so much national attention, I think that also helped to lend credence to their case too. Because of, and do you think it was because there seemed so much more rooted in, I, I, I don't know if I want to say fact, but um, confidence in the way they told it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do, do you know what proposed. the in, in the original investigation that uh, P's Air Force Base did for mm-hmm. uh, Project Blue Book? Do you remember what the first explanation that they came out with was? No. And so they determined that it was an advertising plane at eleven thirty at night. What? It's an advertising. Are you plane. serious? Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that at all. It's in the original report. They got that- a little close to the coast. And yeah. uh, there was one of those trailer behind a to plane. Be fair, smoke Chesterfields. <laughs> they, they were they were actually selling like hand sanitizer for raccoons. So you know, make fun of it if you want. But it, it's a huge market. It's a totally huge market, and you got to capitalize on it at peak hours. You got to think they're just like, which is you know, eleven thirty at night. You got to think they just like. Say that. Let's just see what fucking happens. Let's see what they say. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. It'll, they'll just not say anything about it. <laughs> uh, what? What? I mean, when that came out, and people go, "Go fuck yourself." Um, I remember because I know that NICAP did the the investigation along with the Air Force Base. Um, mm-hmm. that was their actual official release that it was advertising that gave him space herpes, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a hell, uh, whatever advertising that was, I'm in. I'm in. Man. I don't even fucking, I can't even wrap my head around that. Let's go to break. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some of the immediate aftermath, the evidence to the case, and its lasting uh, effects on pop culture. That's coming up after the break on Hysteria 51. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, It's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Somewhere, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, a today. Shaft. 
Welcome back in Hysteria Nation and Rob and David. I'm happy to say that as I'm talking to you right now, I haven't clapped one time since we've come back from break. So still show left. It's baby steps. (laughs) They came home and there was they came home after having this this experience that they, they say they had. And there was some weird things that that happened. Like I said, they they had these weird feelings. She wanted to leave the luggage by the door. Her dress was torn, and they said that they had pink powder on it, which she put outside and let the wind blow away. How unfortunate. Mm. Um, And then threw it away, then goes, "Ah, I better hold on to it. Pulls it out of the trash. Kept the dress. Uh, His... Immediate reaction when he got home was, I need to investigate my genitals. Literally, he said that. Took a peek at him in the shower and couldn't see anything weird. And uh, they had some weird circles on there. They had a 57 Chevy. They had some weird circles, like, I don't want to say burns, but weird paint swirls on it that they said for a little while. What's that? Suction cup leavens. Yeah, right. When they got, uh, they said if you got close to it with uh, um, a, uh, oh my God, a compass. Bad attitude. I brain farted right there. <laughs> it, would, it would spin like crazy and then you pulled away from it and it didn't. Um, th- They investigated the dress. They said they had sent it to like five different places. What happened with that, Rob? Do you remember? Uh, They... I remember the analysis was something to the effect of that there was like, I think like magnesium on the dress, uh, which is, uh, which was part of it. But like, I mean, now it sits at the university of New Hampshire, which is, uh, if you want to go see it, you can go see it. You can actually go down there and examine all their files. They have like, I want to say like 12 boxes worth of files yeah. down there. If but, Bruce uh, is working security and he got 60 bucks, you can even try it on. It's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you if you've got the cash and you know somebody, you can wear this thing and science you can take knows pictures. No bounds. E- exactly. It's I remember as if been doing when too much science. Uh, UFO hunters got their hands on it. And they did tests on it, and yeah. y- you know they they didn't f- really find anything. But it's just like, how do you how, how does how do you reconcile that with like? How does it, how does it now count as evidence? Which is the tough thing in a case like this, right. where, where there is evidence, but how does this translate into you know reliable evidence? Right. Well, the the U.S. has a fascination with dresses with stains on them. That's just you know throughout <laughs> history. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we really. <Jesus. laughs> Went straight there. He did. He, he he did not hold back. No. <laughs> um, also, so afterwards, now not right afterwards, but afterwards, uh, Barney did develop a ring of blisters, sores, bumps around his genitals. You know, he said uh, when he was abducted that they put no, a suction. baby, no, baby, it's aliens. The it's, aliens did it, baby. That's the that's the aliens. I swear to God, I wasn't wasn't at the truck stop with those lot lizards. I swear. <laughs> Uh, and he said they put a suction device over his penis. He did not have an orgasm, but he, uh, he did, they thought take a uh, sperm sample and he got anally probed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another one of those where that trope kind of comes from, you know, when you hear that through a bunch of things. Um, the yeah. Anus. 
that's a that's a hell of a one. You're right to to be like I got bumps down there from the from the the little guys. But the big thing is after they get home, forget all those things. <laughs> Betty starts. I don't shooting. think you can forget all those things. Well, what if this is this is the crux of the whole thing? Like him, he, he made him this whole to- thing up <laughs> to, to like weasel out of you know an excuse for her. And then it just it just it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, that is because, the worst form of gaslighting I have yeah. ever heard in my <laughs> yeah. life. I don't know what you're talking about, Betty. It was the aliens. <laughs> don't you remember? <laughs> he gets her drunk, drives her out to the woods, and yeah, we just blew the lid off this thing. Uh, and interestingly, you, you said the term snowballing. That's what he was all wanted from the whole thing was just a never mind going down a the snowball. wrong. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, according to that uh, men in black in 1976 that visited Herbert Hopkins, Barney Hill died because he didn't have a heart. OK, because that's that's the sole reason. Like, yeah. Forget the yeah. uh, cerebral hemorrhage that he had. Yeah. You can't have a cerebral hemorrhage if you don't have anything to pump said blood. That's all. Yeah, bullshit. how could you be so heartless? <laughs> he um he died at forty six years old, and she died of cancer at, at uh, eighty five. So big discrepancy as far as their their how much life they had afterwards. But Betty starts to dream after this whole thing happens. Um, for five days, she had a series of vivid dreams, and never in her memory should had she recalled remembering dreams in such intensity they stopped about five days later and they never returned these dreams are kind of the crux to the the story for a couple reasons she has these dreams she tells barney about them and then they realize he thinks he's got mental blocks he's not remembering the things that that maybe had happened so they go and they actually had, there was like a, a speaker at their church um, about poetry who had had dealings with, uh, you know, uh, hypnosis. So they, long story short, they go and they get hypnosis for regression. And she's kind of retelling her dreams, but filling in the blanks. And in her dreams, these guys are like short guys, with like dark hair in her regression. They're the grays, the grays as we think them short, gray-haired, big eyes, slit for a mouth, no ears. They don't talk. They do more like, um, you know, uh, telepathy or I think they called it like mind transference or something because they didn't really use the term telepathy then. And um, that's kind of where this story gets fleshed out is in she has these dreams. They go to hypnosis and then they kind of, uh, I don't know, pull them out of it. What do you guys feel about hypnotic regression where do you fall on its usefulness or is it a bad taboo thing that they shouldn't be doing not in this case i mean wholeheartedly on everything i've had it done yeah you'd said that interestingly and you said that you felt they were leading you right um not necessarily don't ever fucking correct me on this show no. <laughs> <laughs> okay mr oh. clap <laughs> i, I said never right <laughs> um so that the the woman was leading in the sense that like 
she was kind of pushing the story forward because I would sometimes get hung up on details. But I don't feel like it was anything I couldn't just sit here and make up to you. That's maybe dream. what I was. I, I know we talked, we talked that you came on the show before and you talked about your experience. And I think that's what I was meant to say is, yeah, you could have, you felt like you were in control the whole time. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was anything that I, I couldn't just like imagine. I guess that's where my brain goes to is how do you know if the person's really hypnotized or if they're spinning a yarn, so to speak? Yeah. I don't know. Rob, where are you at? So when they first sought out this, uh, the hypnosis, mm-hmm. they, and, and this, uh, you know, kind of this like hack that they did at first, mm-hmm. the only reason that they went to them is because their psychologist didn't want it, rec- didn't recommend it. They right, would not yeah. refer them to anybody until they eventually referred them to Dr. Benjamin Simon. And yeah. I mean, Benjamin Simon was legit. The dude had credentials from World War II. He, you know, mm-hmm. treated soldiers coming back from the front with shell shock, and PTSD, like hysterical blindness and stuff. And he was like so successful that they made a movie about him. Yeah. So, like, there are, I think, therapeutic aspects to it. Uh, whether those therapeutic aspects lead to elements of the truth is is very subjective, and and that's the the gray space that we're playing in especially when you're talking about what happened aboard the ship and, and, and right. stuff like that so like yeah it's just a a massive gray space he interestingly enough so this happened in 61 they first met simon in december of 63 so two whole mm-hmm. years that went by two years yeah. that they say they spent their free time searching for the spot where they had been abducted and they ended up finding it in 65. They think where it had happened, but at this time they hadn't found it. And he, he hypno hypnotized them several times each, um, through until like June of 1964, uh, is when they finally quit. And each time it ended, he would reinstate amnesia. He said, because they weren't (laughs) ready to deal with the memories. Right. That's that one is something that it's hard for me to um to to wrap my head around. That's the classic uh when I snap my fingers you will come to and have no memory of this at all, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know like in you every, every time a bell dings you 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 cluck like a chicken or something. I don't know. The thing about it is you can listen to these sections. They're they're readily available. They're tough to listen to. Mm-hmm. Barney is screaming in terror. He's terrified. He keeps talking about the eyes because they would like peer into him. Like he, they were more like telling him what to do. And even when he closed his eyes, they were like in his head and they were like talking to him that way. Um, it's definitely a terrifying thing to listen to, to listen to people, no matter what my BS radar doesn't go off as far as, they think something happened. And I hate saying that fucking saying that, that statement of, well, they believe it. I'm just saying <laughs> it felt really real to me that they had been through some traumatic experience. I don't know. Well, that, that gets into the gray space of all of these stories that you hear because mm-hmm. they are a singular, often a singular witnessed event that 
defies what we know of, of the natural world. So how the hell do you rectify that? How do you come to this like space where you can see this person on an even plane and say, you know, beyond, I, you know, I believe that something happened to you, mm-hmm. but I can't say for sure what it was. And like, that's, that's the thing is like, that's that impasse. You can't, really get past that because right. you didn't experience it yourself you're exactly and right and so it's yeah. it's a believe him or don't believe him and the difference yeah. between their two experiences um barney's was more like a medical experiment we brought him in we you know they counted his vertebrae they you know they took the samples they scraped their skin they did this and that and the other betty they they did a pregnancy test which they said they stuck a needle in her navel it hurt and they like waved over her head and didn't hurt anymore but then the dude, the main guy, was just like, yes, what's up? <laughs> and they kind of hung out for a little bit, talking to this guy. And she's, like, walking around the room, and there's a book. And this was what I thought was interesting. It had, like, symbols on it. And it was a book. And he's like, yeah, you can keep that. And uh, she's <laughs> like, cool. And then she's like, so where are you from? And he, this is an important part of the story. He pulls down a map, and it's a, or he didn't pull out a map, but he showed a thing. And it's like, it's a star map. And uh, connect like lines and lesser lines and angles and all this bullshit. And um, she said that they formed what she thought were trade routes uh, that were like um, traveled and less traveled routes through space. So then they're like leaving and someone says, hey, don't let her take that book. And he's like, oh, hey, they don't want you to take that book. Sorry. (laughs) I'm going to have to get the back. You guys are probably going to watch this. We're going to take off. That's pretty cool. Don't leave till that's over with. It was just a weird, nonchalant that part of it. Um, and she drew the she drew the 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 map, so to speak, that she saw, um, through the uh, you know that that she regressed and remembered, uh, through the the through these sessions. Um, it's it's weird, like you said, his conclusions. I'll. I'll after extensive uh, sessions, he said, he speculated, this is where Simon, uh, this is where he fell into the whole thing. He speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Uh, though Simon admitted this as po- hypothesis did not explain every aspect of the experience, he thought it was the most plausible and consistent explanation. Barney rejected this idea. <laughs> Because, you know, of course, like I didn't just fucking hear it say a dream. And like, yeah, that happened. Uh, so he said, knowing that while their their memories were cohesive in some regards, there were also portions of both their narrative that were unique to each. And Barney was uh, now ready, he said, to accept that they had been abducted by the occupants of a UFO. Um, they all concurred together. Though they didn't agree with him that the hypnosis sessions were effective. The Hills thought they were, and they were no longer tormented by anxiety. Kind of like what you were talking about. He'd helped all these people. And you were talking about, he'd help these soldiers. They were suffering from PTSD mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. And yeah. for better or worse, he helped them. And then afterwards he wrote an article about the Hills for the journal of psychiatric opinion, explaining his conclusions that the case was a singular psychological aberration. So that's fun. (laughs) Um, That's gotta be a hard pill as well. This is something you touched on, Rob. If you had an event and you know, it was real. And then someone goes, yeah, that's not real. Even if they're right, it's got to feel like a kick in the ass, right? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but how do we vet things like this when we weren't there? Well, you go, you, you look at the evidence, you, you check the, the, the dress, you check the, the car, things like that. David, is there any, I mean, how, how do we come to terms or is it just going to have to be faith until they land on the white house lawn and say, here we are. A lot of it's going to have to be faith. Um, I mean, that, that, um, conclusion kind of sounds like a, like a throwaway almost like, you know, this, this is, uh, let's just call it this and, and who's going to question this. I'm a doctor kind of thing. <laughs> mm, right. Um, and you could say that about anything really. Um, it's, it's a one-off, you know, he had, he had a, but like, really though, do, do people just have that? I, is, is it something that I'm lucky I haven't experienced yet or, is this happening like one out of every five people has some kind of weird uh, mental break at some point where they mm -hmm. see, you know, gelatinous beings flying in the air and then mm -hmm. they're convinced something is out to get them for the rest of their lives, you know? Right. Well, so, Rob, Dave and I had uh, an author on recently talking about the um, the the light beings that are coming to Earth and we need to learn from them and this and that and the other. And mm -hmm. she talked about how they are here to teach us. And I was always, this case, you know, with her and everything else is, why do they choose that person? The Hills is more believable. Hey, I grabbed you. We're going to do some tests on you, throw you back into the, you know, catch and release program type of thing. She, um, Linda Haley was saying that, you know, this, these people come to her and they talk to her and there's like, we need people to believe because we're here for your help. Well, why the fuck are you picking one random person, talking to them through their head and tell them they need to tell people instead of just coming forward and landing on said lawn somewhere and saying, here we are and we're here to help. And there's like, oh, you don't trust the government. Well, why should I fucking trust you if you're <laughs> feeding me this line of BS? Like, why is that so maddening to me? And what's wrong with me is the question. Why is it always <laughs> like the most enigmatic puzzle that we have to unravel when the majority of people are probably illiterate anymore? And, <laughs> and you can't just, you know, show up on somebody's TV and be like, hey, look, we're aliens. Don't freak out. But here's yeah. what's going on. Um, you know, figure out a way that, that we can prove to you that we're aliens. We'll do it. Whatever. Why is it got to be like, mm, I'm going to whisper a yeah. riddle to you. Yeah. If you can, there are colors involved and probably some egg yolk, but <laughs> someone will believe you and it will spread. It will spread like an idea that will then snowball to the government and overthrow every capitalistic idea you have to create and usher in a new utopia, but only, only starts with you. Okay. <laughs> like the fuck? Really? Just tell uh, us. Or just David stop said, it. David said, please send them to me. I want to talk to them. How's I that going? That. Has it happened yet? I haven't heard shit. <laughs> man, I we ain't heard found shit. shit. <laughs> uh, man, what? If you were a, uh explorer going to other worlds, would you guys do it that way? I mean, it makes more sense to catch and release like they would do to... To Barney and Betty to me, then this whole like whisper trickle yeah. disclosure. 
I don't know. Like, what do you think? I don't know. I it just it makes me so angry. I guess both sides of that too. It's also terrifying to think that they're just coming here and grabbing a few of us and milking our prostates and sending us on our merry way. Uh, I mean, you could ask. I, mean, I might let you do it, but you don't have to just abduct me. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, it's a Saturday night. I got shit going on. <laughs> I mean, Brent's a, a sad human being. You don't need to, you know, do much to get him to do it. Yeah, just ask him. <laughs> oh man, I, I think well, one of the so go ahead. Look, look at that. Look at it this way: like in any of these cases, one thing you want to be wary of, of course, is the anachronisms in it, right? Mm-hmm. So when when he's talking about these things, look, he he looked inside and saw, and they're pulling levers, you know, and turning yeah. dials and pushing. Like, all right, yeah, because that's probably the way a lot of machinery was operated in the sixties, right? Right. So why is this interstellar uh, amazing uh, other advanced civilization doing like Rube Goldberg machines to get their ships to run? And, <laughs> right. You know, like there, there's that point to consider as well. Yeah. And some of it seems like there's differences. Like some people say that they like, well, we're just describing it how we would understand it. And others are like, no, really, you know, would the USS Enterprise really have so many goddamn blinking buttons and, you know, shit like that? I agree. Like, where's your happy medium and, and, and how much of it falls into us not able to describe something properly and how much of it is bullshit because they're just describing it with the things that they think uh, would be there, I guess. Yeah. You know, you. I guess the only defense of that is that, um, you know, when Chewie had to hit the hyperdrive, it was like a little airplane uh, lever that was just like <laughs> chunk. <laughs> hit it, Chewie. The other thing that made this case stand out to me a little bit in a in a good light, and this is some uh, go forth coming through on me, was that they didn't really seek publicity. They would talk to you know UFO researchers that came to them. Um, they talked to friends and family, but they really didn't make any effort to quote unquote sell their story till sixty five. A newspaper story kind of changed everything. And this is what you were talking about earlier, Rob. There's a front page story in the Boston Traveler. UFO chiller. Did they seize couple? Um, that was the the John Luttrell uh, had put that together. And anyway, he he puts their story out. And they had to get in front of this whole thing. What all? What what was that all about? Well, you know, I think they, I think they just made a conscious decision that, in the moment, you're either because Barney Hill went to a lawyer to get Luttrell to stop. Yeah. He was too late, but, um, you know, you either lean into this or, or you don't, yeah, or yeah. you, you, you potentially, uh, I think by coming forward and, and telling their story and, and, and putting their story out there on their own terms, they saved face in a lot of ways, because I think, 
sure, there was a lot of ridicule. There's always going to be a lot of ridicule when somebody says, hey, we were taken on board a UFO and we did this kind of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. We know what happened in, in the 50s and stuff and those crazy people that were saying Venusians were coming down and, you know... Uh, the Valiant Thor. Yeah, and... that The fucking good-looking motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, but it just like so attractive, just right. so he horned up this episode. <laughs> he really is. He really is. He really does need to get him done now we himself. know. Now we know yeah. why he was clapping yeah, that's the entire clapping. time. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's the clapping. Yeah, yeah, it's the clapping. But like uh, again, I think that just speaks to their character in, in the situation in that moment because in a if you're saying and and because like. When Walter Webb went and investigated the case, he didn't investigate an abduction. He investigated folks that were stopped in the middle of the road yeah. who had seen a UFO, who had had this very strange experience. No, no, no. They saw advertising. Yeah, yeah. Advertising, an advertising plane, which, you know, the government's a joke, sons of bitches. But, like, you know, they investigated it before it was an abduction case. And then... You know, it it did become something greater. So they got out in front of it. They, you know, fully took, um, they took it all, you know, at face value. And I think by getting out in front of that, it lends credibility uh, to the, to the case a little bit more. And like when you read these, like like just case after case after case after case you get to the point where you can kind of spot like the people who are clearly lying from those who have had a strange experience yeah and and don't know how to talk about it because they there's this um thing about absurdity versus sensationalism a lot of the times when somebody has an authentic experience there's something so goddamn absurd like uh you know uh, this one case from um, British Columbia back in the 1980s, this 16-year-old kid, he sees a UFO and he radios. Like, this kid, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, I, I always forget it, but he he's at his house. This UFO is like, it, it's incredibly high. You could kind of barely make it out. There was actually a kid on a bike that made fun of him. You know, it was passing by because he couldn't see anything. So oh, well, he yeah. radios... Yeah, he radios in to this guy on this mountain. He's like, yeah, I can totally see it. And, like, they kind of get a, a, a sketch of this thing. And it's, like, it's a very weird-looking UFO that has this, like, uh, other round UFO that keeps doing circles around it. So the following Monday, after he has this experience, he goes into Kmart to get himself some radio parts, as you did back in the day, unfortunately. Yeah, when they, Radio Shack was closed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have him, but... As he's exiting, he has this men in black encounter in a Kmart vestibule. In the which vestibule, is, yes, yeah, yes. This is the absolute best place to have a men in black encounter. It is one of the most liminal spaces that you could ever be in, a Kmart <laughs> vestibule. And at one point, as he's describing what these beings look like, these men in black, he literally says, I had the impression that they lacked fingernails. Not that they lacked fingernails. I had the impression. Who fucking says that? They needed help opening a pop can. <laughs> I don't. You're right. I don't know. I can't get under this sticker to tear it off. Can you give me a help here, buddy? <laughs> but you know, there's the, there's the that level of absurdity versus someone like Billy Meyer who has photos of uh, you know 
alien beings with singular arms with laser guns in them. Oh, like <laughs> Billy Meyer. That's that's uh, hero Billy Meyer on this show. Thank you very much. Uh, this is going to be a bold statement. Fuck Billy Meyer. <laughs> Hot potato. Uh, only if you can get past his handler, Michael Horn, uh, first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been fucking Billy Meyer, or at least his legacy, for a very long time. And the guy's still alive. <laughs> like, I want that to be the biography of Michael Horn yeah. fucking the legacy. But <laughs> the Michael Horn story. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, we can't uh, tell this story without touching a little bit more on the star map. We told you that she saw in there when she was talking to <laughs> She was having her experience. She's like, so where are you from? You know, and they're like, here, let me show you. And he shows her a little map. She remembered it. And afterwards, she drew it, this star map. Now, in the book that uh, they wrote that came out in 66 about this, there uh, the Intrepid Journey there's a, a copy of it, a copy of the, the map that she had put in there. In 68, Marjorie Fish of Oak Arbor, Ohio, Ohio that is, uh, read Fuller's Intrepid Journey, and she was an elementary school teacher and an amateur astronomer. Uh, I, I guess that's not funny. There's a lot of amateur astronomers, but uh, she was like, oh, fuck, cool, a star map. And she wondered if she could kind of like figure it out or decipher to determine which star system the UFO came from. Um, and she said, assuming that one of the 15 stars on the map must represent Earth's sun, Fish constructed a three-dimensional model of nearby sun-like stars using thread and beads, basing stellar distances on those published in the 1969 uh, GLI-ESE star catalog. I don't know how to say that. Uh, studying thousands of vantage points over several years, the only one that seemed to match the hill map was from the viewpoint of the double star system, Zeta Reticuli, which is where we get the grays from. Uh, that is one that's kind of makes the rounds every few years. I've seen it even passed around on Facebook. Everyone's like, do you know that this star map matches this and that? And um, I don't know. It's an interesting. Do you have an opinion on the star map, either of you? They got some really cool trade routes. Yeah. I dug those. <laughs> I, I dug. I like Space to know truckers. how... I like to know how UFOs function in in a, in a space like that, in where they're going, what they're doing, who they're trading with. Like this is, you well, know, the history textbook documentary Space Truckers with uh, Dennis Hopper. It tells you yeah. all about it. You can find out oh, all yeah. of these in- info. Yeah, that's the inside information. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think it helps or hurts. Really, I think it's just. It's something. Yeah, it matches. Like, I I would be curious to know how many other star systems that it matches. Yeah, I would to, like to see, like, an AI run it and see wh- yeah. how many it comes up with. Yeah. Um, I, I You still wonder, feel like, silly about your back tattoo of it, David? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> That's Start the Patreon ex- someday, dude. <laughs> That's the Patreon exclusive. Uh, the back tattoo is totally a Patreon. Exclusive. Just like in Waterworld, though, you got to turn them upside down, or it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> my my question is like, if these are trade routes and stuff, what? Where on the map are we? Are we like um, I seventy across America? We are or backwater, are we like middle of nowhere, to Indianapolis. 
we're we're you know, like, like we're we're off like literally we're not in like the normal trade routes. We're that's why we don't see the 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 life that others see is we're in the middle of nowhere. In other words, we're in the middle of deliverance. This is <laughs> this is what we're in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um this has had a big big push into pop culture. Uh, it's where we get the grays. They they define them. The Zeta Reticuli incident, as they called it back then, after this all came out, um, was it important because then now that's where we say that the Greys are from. Um, they went public with their own story, as we talked to, like to get out in front of it. Um, since it was, you know, being pushed out without their permission, uh, which sucks. 60 years later, we're still talking about it. It's had a lot of effect on pop culture whether we realize it or not and another thing is like you said rob this kind of happened and then there was a lull in these for a long time so this was the one that people talked about for an extended period of time yeah uh, from 65 to 87 every few years you would have one abduction case that would just kind of it would gain national attention. Um, Herbert Shermer, I think, was the next one after them to kind of gain some kind of attention. And a lot of it had to do with, like, how people treated him. They blew up his fucking car. Like, it was, yeah. like, brutal, brutal shit. So you, you have that. You have Pascagoula after that. You have Travis Walton, who's probably the other really big, yeah. uh, you know, abductee. And then it's just kind of, it's this thing that exists in UFO culture and UFO uh, magazines and journals and stuff like that. You'll find accounts of alien abductions from uh, a myriad of people all over the world. They're these kind of, and they're dubbed different things in different countries. Like uh, in South America, a lot of what you see them called is uh, teleportation cases because yeah. a lot of the witnesses in those cases would just find themselves hundreds of kilometers from where they had been mm-hmm. with only memories of like seeing a UFO before that. So, uh, there it's clearly in the UFO subculture. And then, you know, communion comes out and it just like blows up. And a lot of the reason that it blows up is because of the image on the front of that book. It just, Mm -hmm. it, it spoke to a lot of people. It spoke to like this underlying fear that people had uh, of what that was. And like, I, I am so, interested to know from a psychological perspective why so many people responded to that image because you read the book there's only one being in that book that looks like that and it's the female mm-hmm. his female handler basically if for Every- those of you at home the the communion book it's your typical super skinny the front of it is just the mm-hmm. the i say gray alien i think it was like orangish or, or yellow almost on the front of it it, it looked like old leather like the yeah. the way that whitley streber described her was that she was older so her skin was kind of like you know faded into this you know like yellowish kind of brown color and but you, but, but you make a great point mm-hmm. why do people just gel with that image or why is it such a powerful image to so many people that they go i need to learn more about this i want to know why that face is on mars damn it yeah read the book um, (laughs) 
Well, there, there's an uncanny valley uh, part of to it too. I think. Yeah, that mm-hmm. might be too. You're right. And like, they, it's you know, just you, weird enough that you gotta get to the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah, and and also it's like, can can something like this exist? Because I will shit my pants if the answer is yes. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and like. <laughs> No, I, I, honestly, the other... he'll shit his pants if it's no also, so oh, yeah. don't get too excited. Shut up, Brit! But I think, like, the other the other confirming factor in all of this is that at the, in the same year, you know, Intruders by Bud Hopkins comes out, and you basically got the same kind of beings in there depicted. Their eyes are a little bit different, but they're ultimately the same. They got these big-ass heads. They don't have a mouth. They kind of have two dots for nostrils, but, like... Their eyes are very prominent, and they can pretty much pierce your soul. So it's like this this image goes on to be the cultural symbol that we still recognize today. It's, it's not gray. It's green. But yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's in the pop culture. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. 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 It's, it is funny how just something will stick. You know, the, the flying saucer. Then that's what everyone sees, you know, the gray yeah. alien, and that's everyone's screen, except for Pascagoula, as we know. Uh, but you know, that's mm. that's a, a different. The, those are or fewer and farther between uh, than the the what you hear about these, and that has implications of well, that's because that's what we've been conditioned, or that's because that's really what they fucking look like. So you know, I guess that begs the question. Now we're coming down to the end here. Thoughts: true, a dream, a hoax, a lie reality where do you guys fall on this do you have a definitive thought at all on the, the ill case I, I mean his name is david definitive flora so i think <laughs> uh know. it's david definitive boom boom action flora ah yes esquire <laughs> the third wrong. it's definitivid <laughs> dave finitive <laughs> i don't know dave where you at oh well so it, it uh, I, I don't think it, it rings as true as some other stories to me. And I'll, I'll point to things like the anachronisms I was talking about, you know, if they're interstellar beings flipping lever, levers and, and pushing buttons um, could happen. Sure. Whatever. But that and some of the more, I don't know, weird uh, details that that maybe morphed or changed, but also, mm. oh, I got um, space cashew powder all over my dress, <laughs> but it blew away in the wind. Sorry, it's the, the, you know little, just little excuses like that. Are it blows always... me away that she had the wherewithal to keep the dress, but not the wherewithal to not like get the shit out. Maybe that's yeah. true though. You go ah fuck, my dress messed up. Then you go oh wait, I, I it could be. I mean, look, man, it, any of this could be true, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> any of it could, but if only your if alien handler were, would whisper that to you, so you'd know one way or the other. I I wish Bashar would just talk to me, just <laughs> text me back, man. The problem is we keep calling them aliens. They're just people. They're, they're persons. Beings. They're beings. We need to treat them as such. <laughs> And uh, Get your space trust them together. explicitly, you know. <laughs> I'm kind of with you. I don't know where, um, you know, you, Robbie tells after. I, I just, I don't know. I want to believe that something definitely happened with them. And I, and I refuse to just say no on principle to these things because I don't know. And I hate being the absolute. I mean, of course, 
There's a lot of them. I'll just go, you know, Randy Kramer, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, there's those <laughs> ones out there uh, that I'm happy to say no to. These ones, I, I feel a little bit weirder saying um, being definitive on it. Uh, but I don't know if they had the experience that they think they did or if it was what the doctors uh, told them afterwards. And I unfortunately think that hypnotic regression can muddle a lot of things up um, for worse, not for better. Um, and that's why it's not really used much anymore. But again, I'm a fucking idiot and I don't know anything. So you got to take that into consideration with this whole thing. <laughs> uh, Rob, do you, do you have a definitive thought on it? I don't, like to put definitive thoughts in any of these because <laughs> like that's, that's well i think we're all saying that's the smart bet right there yeah. i think the the problem is is that when a, when an experience is not easily experienced by other people mm-hmm. how the hell do you rectify those that come forward and say that they've had this experience and then you go and you look and you're like wow there's quite a few people that have said that they've had this experience a lot of them say that they're not into this ufo stuff but hey this ufo shit happened to them like i i just to me it exists whether you see that as a a story or an experience Mm -hmm. it exists because uh somebody spoke it somebody wrote it down so i i guess that depends on your definition of what reality then becomes like It, it exists in one form or another. So, to me, believability really it, it doesn't it doesn't register with me because how do you gauge believability in a case like this? Like the best answer that I've ever come that I've been able to come up with is some things just like when you include things that do not make sense into your story. I tend to buy it a little more than people who like follow a linear narrative because most of these things don't seem to yeah. follow a logical linear narrative as we know them. Yeah, the this, automatic this thing is going to make sense, but this happened. You go, Oh, well, that's yeah. different. That probably actually did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. like, you're, you're kind of forced to believe that aliens visited from some other planet. The idea just sounds like so absurd, like especially where scientists are today in saying that, oh yeah, we believe that there are other life forms out there. No, they couldn't, they can't make it here. So you live in that liminality. And at the end of the day, it exists in one form or another, whether that's real, whether that's not, I'm not really interested in that. It exists. There it is. You know? Well, if you're an alien and you're out there and you're listening, I'm ready to be abducted or to be whispered to. I just want to know. Brent is super horned up. <laughs> as you as you can tell by the claps, he is ready. <laughs> come and get him. Usually the yeah. claps come after you're horned up, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. Well, that's been uh, our thoughts, uh, uh, rambling thoughts on looking back at the the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. If you guys got any definitive thoughts and you think we're stupid and we missed something, or they were <laughs> definitely true or definitely lying. Or he definitely had uh, space gonorrhea instead of space clapper herpes or whatever. Let us know. You can tell us by going to 
Facebook and searching Hysteria Nation. That's our Facebook discussion page. Also, if you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. Listen to the show while you're surfing around, spreading your hate on Facebook like everyone does, because that's all that Facebook seems to be good for anymore, other than Hysteria Nation, the last bastion for for uh, good faith and, I don't know, insert whatever you want to there. Add Hysteria51pod if you want to tweet to us. We'd love to get a follow. And uh, let's have some conversations on there. We're on Reddit. We're on uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. You can find uh, Up All Nights, Mad Blurry Hysterias, all sorts of extra episodes. Voicemail, 773-669-7277. You can find all those things, all those links, everything on Hysteria51.com. More importantly, to you two gentlemen, Rob, where can everyone find you? What you got coming up? Anything? You know, I I release episodes of a podcast called the Irish Strange Skies Podcast. And uh, if you want to go listen to those, we're available on every podcasting app. If you want to keep up with what I do, probably the best place is Twitter, at your UFO guy, spelled Y-E-R-U-F-O guy, because I ain't no bitch like that. <laughs> You're sure not. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> You're see. damn right, sir. Uh, you got some new artwork <laughs> recently. I'm a difference. fan of it. I really like the new art. Yeah. No, it's, oh, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And um, uh, it's got you immortalized as your, your caricature on there. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Flora, you got, you're yep. making movies and, and big Hollywood deals and, <laughs> All sorts of stuff and doing trivia. I can't even keep up with you. What you got going on? But um, yeah, working on the documentary. Still, uh, still editing and stuff. It's gonna be, it's gonna be on the back burner there for a little while. But things are still boiling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so let's see. Blurry photos. Blurryphotos dot org. Uh, just put out a two parter on um some other Dyatlov like cases, like mm-hmm. the Dyatlov Pass incident, and um. I uh, got a couple more uh, coming up. I just talked with the author who was on the show a while ago with uh, Phantom Black Dogs. He just released a new book about fogs and mist in the paranormal. So he's going to be back on uh, um, visited by Dragons and Genesis uh, podcast again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, almost almost time for season 11 for blurry photos. Um, and I'd probably be... I will probably schedule a Twitch stream, uh, twitch.tv slash blurry photos, where I will be drinking and getting ready to record <laughs> the uh, season intro the, or the season opener for <laughs> 11. Giving us a, a glimpse into your, your, your pre-show ritual. Which is yep. just boozing. <laughs> which, which is just me sad in a dark room and... <laughs> Join me, I guess. If you've um, ever wanted so yeah. to start a podcast, that's what starting a podcast is like. Exactly. Everybody can get a taste of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got going on. And also, you know, uh, I'll be knocking around here some more. Awesome. Awesome. Speaking of uh, Twitch type things and watching, there was a website I found not too long ago. So I'm going to post somewhere. A guy just has a camera in his office that he works from. And he sits there all day and it's live. He's in there. He's out and everything. And there are lights and little doohickeys all over the room. And if you're on this website, you can click and it will like click this. It turns the light on, click it, it turns it off. And you can actually do it. And it happens in real time. Now, unfortunately, sometimes there's like three three people on there. Sometimes there's a thousand. 
So it gets a little haywire. God bless that guy though for just sitting there with the lights going on and off and like you know monkeys doing the <laughs> tambourine or, or whatever behind him and stuff. <laughs> it's an interesting website that I cannot remember off the top of my head, so it's useless right now. But uh, I'll dig it up and I'll throw it on on Hysteria Nation as a weird little uh, things people do out there to just I guess be stared at. I don't know. Interestingly. <laughs> That's been our thoughts on Betty and Barney Hill. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been David. I've been Rob. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.